What is going on, Cover 7 family? It is your host, Mason Pierce, and we are back at it again with another episode. And guys, before we do begin today's podcast, I want to first address the tragic event that did happen over this weekend, specifically on Saturday, and that was the passing of former Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. And in case you did not hear, and I'll just, I'm just going to briefly sum it up. Dwayne was unfortunately struck by a um, dump truck on high, on the highway after his car ran out of fuel and he was stepping out of his car attempting to go get gas and unfortunately he was struck and obviously I want to just keep you know prayers with him and his family and it's just really tragic to see how such a great human being was finally getting his life underway and he his birthday was not even a month away and he would have been 25 so rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins you know, prayers and thoughts are with his family. Just make sure y'all continue to, you know, just look after him and his family, look after his wife, and just continue to show support. And no matter what, if you may not have liked Dwayne or, you know, you were a Michigan fan and obviously didn't like him because he went to Ohio State, please be thoughtful and please be kind to him and his family during this time because, once again, this is just a very tragic, you know, accident, and it's not something that should be taken very lightly. So, once again, rest in peace, Dwayne. Thank you for everything you did in, in this life, whether it was on the football field or whether it was off the field. So, nothing less, guys. I just wanted to first address that because that, that was really sad to see because I didn't think I was going to wake up on Saturday morning and the first thing I was going to see is an Ohio State football legend and obviously, most importantly, a human being, you know, being killed by being struck by a dump truck on the highway. So, it was just, it was really tragic to just hear and see and you could tell by a lot of the emotion a lot of former players showed and just just everyone the community did and how much we all bonded together due to this event and i think that's what Dwayne would have wanted is all is for all of us to be happy at the fact you know that we got to enjoy the memories that he did have on this earth and the fact that you know he is in god's hands and at least when he did leave this earth he was headed in the right direction so i'm really happy for Dwayne in that instant and in case you didn't really know who Dwayne haskins was he was a really hyped up recruit coming out of high school um, there was actually a really cool video of him when he was 10 years old visiting Ohio State and he was talking about how much he wanted to go to Ohio State and how he was going to play football at this university and how he was going to be a star and you know only a decade later he ends up becoming a star at Ohio State in the 2018 season and some of the stats for that season his lone year as the starter of the Ohio State Buckeyes he threw for 373 completions on 533 attempts with a 70% completion percentage with 4,831 yards and 9.1 yard average. And then his t- touchdown to interse- interception ratio was absolutely insane. He had a 50 to 8 touchdown interception ratio. So obviously was well deserving of that first round pick. He was, you know, that following draft to the Washington Redskins at the time. So nothing less. Let's not look at the negatives in his career. Let's look at the positives and how, you know, he did bounce back from what seemed to be, you know, the end of his career. And obviously, you know, he had some dark moments in his life. But once again, we are all human. We do make mistakes. And Dwayne learned from that. He took advantage of that and truly did better himself. So I'm really happy at the fact Dwayne did learn from his mistakes and truly did try to better himself. But guys, let's, let's get off that topic. I know because Obviously, you know, we're still mourning the fact we did lose Dwayne, but I just wanted to at least make sure that, you know, we did get a little segment in for Dwayne as he was a huge part of a lot of our lives. You know, he was a huge part of our, at least our football lives, you know, whether it was in college or in the NFL. So, but guys, let's actually get into some college football news. And most of it's going to be regarding Georgia. And you're probably like, oh, okay, Georgia's, you know, they're getting a lot of high recruits. Uh, No, they're actually losing a lot of high recruits. Former five-star recruit and current Georgia offensive lineman 
Amarius Mims has entered the transfer portal. Now, we never really saw Amarius play for Georgia at all because simply just depth. But he was a, I mean, highly recruited kid coming out of um, high school and was, you know, expected to really. He, so a lot of people are expecting him to pick between Miami and Florida State, which I don't think will really happen. I think Alabama definitely will probably be the front runner to get him, considering that Alabama was like the school he would have picked if he didn't go to Georgia originally. So definitely watch for Alabama to sneakily be in this mix. But per reports, it seems like Miami and Florida State are simply going to be in this mix due to NIL deals. So definitely something to continue to watch out for. But he he's a super strong cat. Definitely he's got great size. And he'll be a huge impact for whatever team does end up landing him. Now for the other side of the Georgia news, former five-star and current Georgia offensive lineman Clay Webb, he has entered the transfer portal. And now Clay Webb, was one of the top recruits in the 2019 recruiting cycle. Obviously, was a big pickup for Georgia at the time, but never really clicked when he was at Georgia. And I don't really know where he would go. I'd say probably maybe Alabama as well, or LSU, or just another SEC school. It's kind of, or maybe Miami. Maybe him and Amarius. They might both go to Miami due to just NIL. Now, the one thing that probably you, you'll probably see why a lot of these kids are leaving is due to Matt Luke stepping down as the offensive line coach at Georgia because a lot of these guys were recruited by Matt Luke, the former Ole Miss head coach. And, you know, Matt Luke has been known to produce great offensive linemen, obviously. So it, it, it's not really shocking at that fact. I mean, will Georgia still possibly be in the in the contention for an SEC championship? Absolutely. They pretty much are every year. Now, is it going to hurt the fact they did lose, you know, an up-and-coming piece of their offensive line in Amarius Mims? Absolutely, it's definitely going to hurt. But as we all know, Georgia, for some reason, just bounces back regardless of what happens to them. So Georgia fans, no reason to panic yet. But definitely, if you continue to see a lot of these five-star, four-star guys transferring out, it might it might just be from the fact that there's not enough, you know, playing time for everyone. And specifically schools like A&M who, you know, have five star after five star after five star after five star on the opposite side of the line in the defensive line room don't be shocked for them in about two to three years you'll see former five star recruit transferring former five star recruit transferring former four star recruit transferring simply from the fact that not all these guys are going to be able to get on the field or they're just not going to like the amount of time they are going to be on the field simply due to how stacked a lot of these rooms you know these rooms are so just something to keep your eye on, especially in the SEC with how many of these guys, these schools are recruiting. And I don't think a lot of these coaches are realizing these kids are going to end up leaving because I guess a lot, I guess nowadays a lot more kids feel more entitled to having a lot more playing time versus just earning it. Because if you're a five-star recruit coming out of high school, you're expected to automatically start at the next level, right? You're going to go to a school that you're expected to start at, four-star it can kind of vary, you know, definitely like a second string for at least a year or two, and then you end up being a starter, right? So so these kids, for the majority of their high school careers, are expecting, okay, once I get to college, it's going to be easy peasy. I'm just going to instantly start, no issues, and I'll play my three years, go to the NFL, make millions, right? Wrong. A lot of these kids end up getting a reality check. They don't realize, hey, I am pretty much either as good as everyone else or I am worse. And you could be the best five-star recruit, but you'll still end up being, you know, third on the depth chart, right? Especially if you go to a school like Alabama or Georgia that are known to have some of the craziest depth you'll ever see. So it's just, I think it's just the state of college football nowadays. And definitely with NIL, like a lot of people are saying, 
A lot of kids aren't going to go to a school to play. They're going to go to a school because they're going to be making a buttload of money, you know, six-figure salaries, possibly seven figures. Simply just, I mean, but you can't really blame them at the same time because you hear a lot of arguments about how, you know, oh, well, why, don't the, why wouldn't this kid worry about his academics? Well, when you have a $3 million NIL contract in front of you, you're going to take it to go to that school no matter where it is. It could be Northwestern, Purdue, not throwing shots at them, but I'm just saying it could be one of those schools, even TCU for heaven's sakes. And you could have offers to Alabama, but you're not going to reject that $3 million. It's kind of like the it's like an NFL situation, right? Like with Christian Kirk. The Jaguars, he probably didn't want to end up in Jacksonville. No one normally wants to go to Jacksonville to play because they know you're not going to win. I mean, you've seen legends like Fred Taylor, you know, they've come out and say, yeah, Jacksonville is not a good franchise at all. But when you're getting offered a four-year, $72 million contract, you're not going to reject it. So definitely I think college football is going to slowly start, like, start to turn into even more of a business than it already was. Now the fact that players are going to start getting paid as well. So just something to continue to watch out for. So when you start seeing a lot more of these five-star recruits transferring out of SEC schools, that is why, because they chose to go run after a bag versus possibly setting themselves up to get an even bigger bag by waiting their time. Another, you know, another situation like that was Quinn Ewers when he went to Ohio State, graduated a year early from South Lake Carroll. I mean, it was like third, third or fourth on the depth chart at Ohio State. We all knew that he was never going to do anything simply for the fact Ohio State was so stacked at the quarterback room. When you got guys like C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller at the time, he there's no way he was going to play. So. It is what it is, but the next um, college football news we actually have is actually a commitment. Five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly has committed to the University of Oregon despite being crystal balled numerous, and I mean like numerous times to USC. So I guess Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley finally caught an L in this situation simply for the fact he didn't get an all-offensive lineman, which you know USC still needs because they've got the wide receivers. We saw how many dudes transferred. We saw how many running backs. They got a Stanford transfer running back. They got an Oregon transfer running back. I mean, they've got a Darwin Barlow, the former TCU running back. I mean, they're stacked when it comes to that position. But you also got to remember, you still need to build a defense. You still need to build an offensive line. And their offensive line is solid. But obviously, it still needs improvement. And I know the Pac-12 is not one of the strongest conferences in the country. But regardless, if you get exposed by teams like Oregon State, Washington State, that's not a good look for a guy that's getting paid $100 million over the next 10 years. You buy him mansions, buy him mansions, you let him use your private jets to lose to Oregon State. So definitely, I don't, it, and it's kind of controversial in my opinion because I do think Lincoln Riley will win the Pac-12 numerous years. I do think he'll end up going to Rose Bowls and you know, decent, you know, New York Six Bowl games. But I don't ever see him having any college football playoff success because what talent are you going to get at USC that you couldn't get at Oklahoma? I mean, genuinely, maybe the defensive side of the ball is a little bit different because, as we all know, USC, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, historically has had more, you know, defensive players taken in the NFL. And that's not saying there hasn't been any Oklahoma players because there's definitely has been numerous. But, you know, players would rather go to USC for that. And obviously, once again, NIL is going to be another huge factor. But I still feel like Oklahoma as well could be another huge factor because boosters. I mean, it's just one of those things where I don't see where people are thinking Lincoln Riley is going to automatically do something amazing at USC. Because you have to remember, he has the same pieces, if not less, when he was at Oklahoma. Because Caleb Williams was also at Oklahoma with him. You know, Latrell McCutcheon was also at Oklahoma with him. They all came to USC to follow their former coach. So... 
once again, I say the ceiling for USC this season is 12-0. and Obviously, they could easily win a national championship, in my opinion. They have the talent. That's not even a question. But the floor for them is 7-5. and And that's simply for the fact the hype may be too much for, you know, Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans. So, I mean, you're probably like, okay, that's a little bit ridiculous. But you've got to think about it. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma never made it past the first round in the playoffs ever. And that and the, and the times they played Clemson, and the times they played, who did they play when Kyler? Alabama, they would get demolished by 30-plus points. And it's not because they didn't have offense. It's because the defense was non-existent. Because when you're getting toasted by teams like Kansas State and Texas and TCU on a consistent weekly basis, and we saw Oklahoma, who ended up blowing out my Horn Frogs last year, but we murdered them on the offensive side of the ball. Quentin Johnson, who, if y'all don't know him yet, definitely need to find him, find out about him. He went for like 160 yards, had a you know Sports Center top 10 catch over two corners for Oklahoma, and was practically the only reason we even stayed alive. So it was just, it, I, I, USC fans, do not get your your hype, your hopes up about all oh, this year is going to be the year we're finally going to get back to relevancy. Y'all get back to relevancy, but maybe not in the success, you know, success fa- the success fashion that y'all wanted to. Now, besides the point, Oregon once again, Coach Lanning coming over to the University of Oregon was a great hire for the Ducks. Now, the fact that they just added even more to their offensive line is absolutely fantastic. We still don't know if Bo Nix or uh, Ty Thompson will be starting. I definitely would say Ty Thompson at this rate probably will be a starting quarterback for Oregon simply for the fact he's taken more reps. And apparently he looks a lot more fundamentally sound than Bo Nix. And that doesn't really shock me because we saw Bo Nix struggle heavily his final year at Auburn. So, once again, huge pickup for the Oregon Ducks. And the final college football – no, no, it's actually isn't the final college football news. But I guess – well, it is kind of the final news. Uh, five-star quarterback and nephew of Eli and Peyton Manning, Arch Manning, took a visit last Friday to the University of Virginia. Now, you're probably asking, why the heck is he going up to Charlottesville? Well, his sister goes to the University of Virginia, and if you don't remember, Brennan Armstrong, the current University of Virginia quarterback, is putting up insane numbers. He had multiple 500-yard passing games last year. Bryce Perkins, a couple years ago, and the former L.A. Rams quarterback, was absolutely fantastic, and UVA has kind of, you know, made some decent quarterbacks these past, you know, past half decade. And I know Bron- Bronco Mendenhall, he's not there anymore; he stepped down. But Tony Elliott, the de- the former de- defensive coordinator at Clemson, he's a fantastic coach. I know the guys at Clemson loved him. I could probably bet you the same amount of money the guys at Virginia are going to love him. So maybe he just wants to, you know, see possibly if Virginia could be another option. So. I definitely would say Virginia is like a very, very, very dark horse candidate to land Arch Manning. I still think he'll probably end up at Texas simply because he's got David Cutliffe there. But you never know. I mean, the new revamped Cavaliers might be really, you know, interesting to Arch Manning. So that's just something to continue to monitor. I mean, hey, his sister might be getting paid a bag right now to kind of convince her little brother, hey, Come up to Charlottesville. I mean, they'll treat you well. You'll get automatically quarterback one because, as we all know, Brennan Armstrong, he's going to be leaving after this year anyway. And, you know, Arch Manning is a class of 2023. So we could possibly see, you know, a Manning up at the University of Virginia. You know, that would absolutely break the Internet to think that a guy guy like that who was considered to be an SEC lock because we all know Texas will end up being in the SEC while Arch would be, you know, playing college football. 
So considering the fact he was going to be the SEC, the fact he might go to the ACC and it would not be Clemson is insane. Because, you know, Clemson, they produce quarterbacks. But at the same time, him going to Clemson makes no sense because Clemson already has Cade Klubnick, who's already looked fantastic through spring ball. And they also have DJ, who might end up transferring, but he would never start over Cade. So maybe Virginia might be the move for the young Manning quarterback. So who knows? But, guys, that is it for the college football side of today's news. Wasn't anything too crazy, but... Definitely the Georgia news and the Arch Manning news is kind of interesting because we haven't really heard too many developments about Georgia or Arch Manning. And the fact that we know that Arch is still kind of looking around might be really big going into you know his next year, his final year of high school football. Now, to get into the NFL side of today's news, the Miami Dolphins, they are signing punter Thomas Morstead to a one-year deal. I mean, Thomas Morstead's been one of the best punters in the league. You know, obviously, the longtime Saints punter. I think he went to... Who's, I forgot who signed him this past year, but then now the Miami Dolphins are signing him. So, decent pickup for the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, he's on the older side, but it's only a one-year deal. The Dolphins look like they're trying to make a Super Bowl push. You know, getting the acquisition of Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs was huge for their success going into next year. So, it might be a really good deal. Um, the next news we have is actually regarding the Baltimore Ravens. And, yes, the Ravens finally made some moves. The Baltimore Ravens, they are re-signing defensive end Calais Campbell to a two-year deal. This is fantastic. Calais Campbell has been one of the more consistent defensive ends in the whole league. Even though he's practically pushing 40 at this point, he is still playing at an elite level of football. You know, being six foot, 14 inches, he's just an absolute beast of a lineman. And continue, I mean, he's been solid for the Ravens. I'm not going to say he was like the old Jacksonville Calais Campbell, but... He's, he's been fantastic with the Ravens. He's, you know, kind of always carried that defensive line. And now the fact that the Ravens also signed Michael Pierce back from the Minnesota Vikings is huge as well because now they'll have their nose tackle back. So, you know, Clays can, you know, actually play defensive end. So great signing for the Baltimore Ravens. Now the next news we have is regarding the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are signing um, former Eagles safety Rodney McLeod to a one-year contract. Very underrated move in my opinion. Even though Rodney, he did suffer a lot of injury issues up in Philly, and obviously he was a part of that Super Bowl team back in 2018, he just never really, he never really was consistent, consistent, mostly due to injuries. But when he was on the field and he was healthy, him and Jalen Mills were a nasty safety duo at the time before Jalen did convert to corner. So, nothing less, great pickup for the Colts who do need safety help. So I absolutely love that for the Indianapolis Colts. The next news we have is regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are re-signing linebacker Robert Spillane to a one-year contract. Obviously in the COVID year in 2020, Robert Spillane kind of emerged after Devin Bush went down with an injury and we kind of thought, okay, he's going to push Devin Bush completely out of his spot. This past year, what didn't have the same production but was still the same Robert Spillane we, we got used to. Devin Bush obviously continued to struggle. So it's great that the Pittsburgh Steelers are re-signing Robert Spillane to another one-year deal. And now the fact that the Steelers, they signed Miles Jack, the former Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker, to a deal, I mean... The Pittsburgh Steelers might actually be one, either a top five defense in the league or just a bottom five. I mean, it depends on what Pittsburgh Steelers defense we get. Because obviously if Minka Fitzpatrick plays out of his mind, T.J. Watt continues to play at the you know MVP rate he was playing at last year. Obviously Cameron, Cameron Hayward continues to ball out. Dude, I don't know who could stop the Pittsburgh Steelers on the defensive side of the ball. 
but nothing less great signing for the Steelers. The next news we have is regarding the Los Angeles Chargers. They're signing kick returner slash punt returner DeAndre Carter to a one-year contract. I love this move for the Chargers because they have all kind of struggled at finding a good returner. They had um, Desmond King a couple years back as their kind of designated returner. Obviously, they ended up trading him to the Titans last offseason. So they've kind of been bouncing back and forth between returners. Now they're getting John Jay Carter, who has proven to be a really sol solid returner in this league with Washington and the Houston Texans. So I love this for the Chargers. And guys, that is it for the NFL side of today's news. I mean, we could consider the Dwayne Haskins news, you know, really unfortunate news as part of the NFL segment, but I really don't want to drag it on too much. I wanted to just get to the point, you know, give his family respect and not, you know, use him as like a headline, as I know a lot of media outlets seem to do nowadays. So, once again, rest in peace to Dwayne. It, it really is tragic what did happen to him. I mean, I loved watching him as a quarterback, and I loved seeing him grow as a person as well because I know it was it was good for him, his family, and his wife. So, Nothing less prayers for the Haskins family. Now, guys, let's get into some MLB news. As you all know, MLB season is officially back. I am so happy we got we got you know baseball back. I mean, it was it was really starting to worry me through this whole you know collective bargaining agreement discussions if we would even get baseball this year or we'd even get it till like August because that, the direction it was heading, it looked like we weren't going to. And then randomly one day we got it back, and I mean I was super hyped. Spring training was really fun to watch, and we've kind of already seen beginning of the regular season who's really been balling out. Vladimir Guerrero, he had a 467 home run Saturday night against the Rangers, which which I think was his I want to say that's the far his farthest career home run ever. So congratulations to Vladdy on that. He still continued to drop bombs. Shohei's been you know decent for the Angels. the The Rangers the Rangers continue to be decent on offense and then struggle tremendously when it comes to pitching now I don't know what I don't know if it's a curse me and my uncle we always talk about this like how the Rangers they've always had these great teams but have always had some of the worst pitching in the league and then when they end up trading their pitchers they end up balling out for example Lance Lynn when they traded him they end up balling out for another team so I don't really know what's happening but <laughs> nothing less the Rangers you know Corey Seager's look to be really good so far Adolis is kind of still picking up on last year's success I know the second half for Adolis was not really the greatest he did make the all-star game however because that first half of the 2021 season for him was fantastic I remember going to a couple games and I'm like okay you know this 28 year old rookie is really solid he'll definitely be with us for a little bit and I really do hope he does but besides that, it is amazing to have baseball back. It's weird seeing Carlos Correa in a Minnesota Twins uniform. I know it probably is for a lot of people, but don't expect him to be there for too long because if the Twins continue to do Twins things, he'll be gone by the trade deadline. But anyway, guys, the first news we actually have, you know, besides, you know, all the games, the, the Seattle Mariners, they are re-signing shortstop J.P. Crawford to a five-year, $51 million contract extension. And I kind of think this is a steal by the Seattle Mariners. As we all know, they traded for Jesse Winker, which was absolutely a fantastic trade for the outfield. And now that they're re-signing, you know, Gold Glove and Strong Safety, J.P. Crawford, once again, it was just fantastic. J.P., you know, he played pretty decent last year, in my opinion. I mean, he hit really well. And the fact they're re-signing him to a contract for about $10.5 a year, I mean, good job by the Seattle, Seattle Mariners front office for finally making a lot of these key moves. You know, getting Robbie Ray from the Toronto Blue Jays was another great move, you know, bettering the rotation. So congrats on JP for getting the bag and congrats on, and congrats on Seattle for, 
you know, making good moves for once. The next news we have, it's regarding the New York Yankees. And as we all know, Aaron Judge is going into his final year before his arbitration ends, or arbitration ends, which it always kind of confused me how it worked. I know it's kind of like the years that the team has control over a player, whether it's through the minor leagues and through the majors, but he will finally be able to become a free agent. So the Yankees and him have been trying to work on a contract extension, and apparently the final offer the Yankees gave him was a seven-year, $230 million contract, which Aaron Judge declined the day of opening day against the Red Sox. Now, you're probably saying, well, that's that's absolutely stupid. Who would decline a seven-year, $230 million contract? Well, a guy that's worth, you know, $250 million plus on the open market would definitely decline that because missing out on $20, $30 million and probably, you know, the fact that there's a lot more incentives, too, in that contract that he so he probably would have ended up getting less. And the fact that the Yankees are kind of, you know, cheap-balling to get him almost, because in my opinion, he's been one of the few bright spots for that team. And the fact that they continue to pay Giancarlo Stanton's contract, which, don't get me wrong, Giancarlo has already put up two home runs so far this year. He's absolutely been crushing it. But Aaron Judge has been a more cornerstone of that franchise and has been more consistent because... Most of the time, you never really see him injured. He's always playing. So, will we see Aaron Judge at pinstripes next year? Most likely. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think if they trade him, it's going to be one of the worst trades in their franchise's history. Because not only does he play great defense, he's a great bat. And losing him would just be absolutely hurtful for that outfield. And yes, I know they have Joey. And yes, they have John Carlos. But you also got to remember... Joey will give you good defense, but Joey will also be one of the worst bats on your team. And this is coming from a you know a former Rangers fan that has witnessed many games. He's either a strikeout or or boom type player. If he doesn't hit a home run, it's going to be a strikeout or a ground out or a flyout. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate the fact that the Yankees and their fans are even having to worry about the fact that Aaron Judge might end up leaving them because I don't think Aaron wants to leave New York. Aaron loves New York. But he's not going to just completely take a hometown discount necessarily when he's going to be losing out on $30, $40 million, which no one would. So hopefully he does end up staying in pinstripes. I personally want to see see him stay in pinstripes. But if he does end up going somewhere else, where do you all think he would go? I say maybe the A's if they decide to spend money simply for the fact that is the team that drafted him. And I think he's from the West Coast as well, so that would – Kind of be interesting to see. Maybe, you know, the Rangers possibly who need a lot of outfield help. And, you know, the Rangers, you know, they're finally spending money. They gave, you know, Corey Seager that huge $320 million contract. Obviously, if they have to give that up to get a guy like Aaron Judge, I know they definitely would. So just something to continue to watch out for going into next off, uh, next off season. Now, the final MLB news that we have the Houston Astros, they dropped their new city edition uniforms. In case you don't know, the MLB starting to do this, kind of like how the NFL used to do the color rush uniforms. MLB is kind of doing their own version, except it's like a city edition. You know, I think the NBA does it as well. And Houston Astros, their theme was, um, you know, being Space City, which obviously Houston being the home of NASA, these uniforms are absolutely fantastic. They had the H with, I think it was like the moon doing an orbit around it. I have the picture on the official Instagram of the, the Mason Pierce podcast, which is, you know, obviously down in the description if you need the link. But, I mean, they are they are so good. Houston has always kind of had some of the best uniforms in the league, in my opinion. Uh, and if you continue to talk about the whole cheating scandal, it's time to get over it. We all have slowly started to get over it. It's, 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 been, it's in the past. 
I think I think everyone needs to take you know a hard realization that every team in the league is cheated. Every team in the league still cheats. So besides the fact Houston, amazing job on these you know city edition uniforms. I love them personally. I love the whole orbit theme to them. They're absolutely fantastic. And I hope to and I hope we continue to see all the new um, city edition uniforms that come out because I think San Diego has has some coming out later this year. So that will really be interesting to see because I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm going to say probably a beach theme type maybe, but nothing less. It'll be really cool to see the rest of these uniforms unveil themselves later on this year. Now, guys, before we do end today's episode, I do want to talk about the NBA playoffs. They are officially starting um, this week. Yeah, they're starting Tuesday. The play-in tournament has actually been officially set. So we're going to go over the, the dates and you know what what, ha- what happens if this team loses, what happens if this, t- if this team wins. So for Tuesday, April the 12th, the first game will be the number eight Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the number seven Brooklyn Nets at seven Eastern on TNT. And then immediately following that, it will be the number eight seeded LA Clippers versus the number seven Minnesota Timberwolves at 930 Eastern on TNT. My predictions for that game is I have Brooklyn taking the game against Cleveland and then I have Minnesota taking the game against the Clippers. Now, if Paul George continues to dominate, and, you know, plays like PG, definitely I could see the Clippers taking over Minnesota. But I think Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are just going to be too much for the Clippers to take on. Now for Wednesday, April 13th, we have the 10-seed Charlotte Hornets taking on the 9-seed Atlanta Hawks at 7 Eastern on ESPN. And then immediately following that, we have the 10-seed San Antonio Spurs taking on the number number 9-seed New Orleans Pelicans at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN. Now, my predictions for the first game of Wednesday, you know, between the Hornets and the Hawks, depending on if Trey Young does Trey Young things, I have Charlotte taking this game simply for the fact LaMelo Ball is absolutely insane. He's probably going to go for at least 30 points, in my opinion. Atlanta doesn't have that great of a defense. I don't know. I haven't really watched too much NBA this season, but just from the highlights and some of the clips I've seen, I have the, you know, the Hornets easily taking this game over the Hawks. And for the Spurs and New Orleans game, obviously I have New Orleans taking this game simply for the fact, you know, the acquisition of C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Just those two together are just beautiful to watch. And, yes, I know Zion is out for, Zion. I know Zion is out for the rest of the year, so that was a huge blow to the Pelicans, but nothing less. You still have two superstars, you know, in your backcourt. Now, for Friday, April the 15th, the first game of that day will be the winner of Game 3 versus the loser of Game 1, and that will be on ESPN. The time is still to be determined from what I've seen, and then the following game will be the winner of Game 4 versus the loser of Game 2, which will take place on TNT. So, guys, that is it for the NBA playoffs and kind of the setup for the play-in tournament right now. These are going to be some exciting games to watch. I know I'm definitely going to be watching both of them. I don't know about Tuesday, depending on how the weather is. I might go to the um, Texas Rangers versus Colorado Rockies game, the home opener series for my Rangers. Definitely make sure y'all check out some major league games. You know, you know, uh, Seat Geek, if you want to sponsor me, I would love, you know, love to love and love to do a collab with y'all. But nothing less, guys. I really hope y'all did enjoy today's episode. Before I do let y'all go, before I do let y'all go, make sure that you do follow the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover Seven with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. Link will be down in the description as always. And guys, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. You know I mean? I just, I got to say it one more time, simply for the fact, you know, we did lose a soul, a great soul at that. So just remember, continue to keep his family 
in your thoughts and prayers. So, guys, I hope you'll have a fantastic Monday. I hope you'll have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.